G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Martin Niles, Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, is back with us. Hello, Martin. Welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be with you once again. And uh, we might say, last time we were talking, Martin, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to you from Washington, D.C. You're uh, back on deck, and uh, I'm sure the paperwork's been piling up while you've been away, but uh, uh, overall, before we get into a conversation about our political agenda, was that a worthwhile trip over to the U.S.? Yeah, it really was, actually, Neil. You're right. There's a big pile of stuff on my desk right here in front of me since I got (laughs) back. But apart from that little uh, gremlin in the system, uh, it was a wonderful trip. It was very, very worthwhile to go over there and see what a lot of organizations have been doing there to great political effect in the last few years. And I think a lot of people over here are feeling that, like there has been some political effectiveness from those who are raising a voice for truth and uh, who have more socially conservative values and things like that. There's been a real stronghold uh, uh, in the US and, and these guys have figured out how to do a lot of things very effectively. And I've learned a lot from them. And uh, pleased to say that ACL is really on a good track towards uh, some of the same goals. And um, to be able to talk to them was invaluable. Let's talk through some issues with the New South Wales state election. Counting is continuing today. The Liberal and National Coalition look set to achieve a majority government. But at the moment, the numbers are 46 of the 47 seats that they require for a lower house majority. What are your overall impressions from what's happened? happened with the counting, with the way things have begun to settle after Saturday? Well, overall, I think the uh, most interesting thing to me, and I checked the results again this morning, and it remains so, the most interesting thing is just how little has changed. The lower house, at least, looks almost exactly the same as it did before the election even happened. I think only Coogee looks like it's going to change hands from Liberal to Labor, except for one exception. And that one exception is that the story of the shooters and fishers really um, uh, making huge gains against the nationals in key seats. And you've seen Barwon and Murray fall from the nationals and go to the shooters and fishers on the back of huge swings for the shooters and fishers. You've seen Orange, which was the only seat held by the shooters and fishers in the lower house before the election, go from a tiny, tiny 0.1% margin uh, to a plus 30% swing to uh, the Shooters and Fishers, which is unbelievable. Uh, and then you've got Dubbo, where the Shooters and Fishers had something like or something like a 20% swing away from the Nats uh, towards Shooters and Fishers, and they're within striking distance and nearly picked up that seat. Really interesting trend. When I look at the New South Wales election, that's really the only big story in terms of trends and changes in the lower house, which is the house for which we've got the best results at the moment. And I think it, 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 it really tells a story. Um, when parties start to drift from their base. People feel like they're not represented and they can't last long. And there is that sense amongst, and I'm very specific here, the New South Wales nationals. I wouldn't say the same necessarily about federal nationals and things like that. There's a big difference between the different branches of the nationals. But the New South Wales Nationals Party, I think a lot of people in that state just feel like they're not talking 
are the talk of the bush. They're not talking the issues of rural Australia. And ACL was one of the voices raised uh, to highlight that in the last 12 months. We ran a television advertising campaign with the somewhat provocative title, When Did the Nationals Become as Radical as the Greens? And it sounds provocative, but it's simply true. Um, Actually, over the last few years, the Nationals have been a key voice in the New South Wales Parliament, uh, pushing a lot of radical social stuff. It was a Nationals education minister that presided over the introduction of safe schools into the New South Wales education system and then publicly and vocally defended it and wouldn't get rid of it. Uh, It was a Nationals member of the upper house that pushed hard, introduced and pushed hard for euthanasia, which was only defeated by a single vote uh, just last year. They introduced their own same-sex marriage bill into the New South Wales Parliament before it was federal law uh, a few years ago uh, to lobby on that issue. Uh, They've been there at every step, even the exclusion zones around abortion clinics to stop uh, pro-life counsellors from... from, um, saving babies. It was really partly a deal with the Nats that saw that go ahead. And you sit there and you go, well, hang on a minute. Uh, Nationals voters, they're socially conservative people. They're people of the bush who care about practical brass tax issues of day-to-day life. They're interested in the drought. They're interested in infrastructure. And here we have social warriors uh, from the Nationals Party pushing this agenda for some years. We thought it was time to call it out. We did. And it's interesting. I think people are very willing to walk away from a major party that has drifted from its constituency. And it's a warning to all major parties, but also a warning to people like the Shooters and Fishers not to let down those that have uh, elected them and to make sure they continue to represent their constituency well. So we're pretty pleased, actually, with that being the upshot of the lower house um, results in New South Wales, because we think it's an excellent message to the Nationals to get back on track. Martin, what can you tell us about where the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party sits in the political spectrum, though? Because, uh, But as you have just alerted us about this uh, uh, change that's happened in the New South Wales, more localised New South Wales nationals, uh, where do the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers sit in the political spectrum? Yeah, it's a good question, Neil, and I think I have to um, make it clear that amongst the nationals, it's a mixed bag. So... Some of them are uh, uh, pushing the green social stuff and some of them definitely are not. So it's a mixture. And I suppose my concern when it comes to the shooters, fish and farmers is that they're probably a mixture as well. We have seen, and credit where credit is due, the shooters and fishers, the two members of the upper house over the last few years, have been strong um, on all the relevant issues. Uh, and that's been a good thing. And so... Uh, I I certainly have a a reasonable amount of confidence in the guys in the upper house that are there now. But there's no telling with a party that is not based around social issues, but based around issues pertinent to the bush, where the next person will be on the spectrum with this stuff. Um, So the concern is that it could be a mixed bag once again. However, the important message that comes out of the election is if you really start pushing this stuff and getting on board with it, People from the bush and rural Australia will just feel like you're not talking their talk because they don't talk about this stuff. They're not interested in this stuff. They hate political correctness, which is what all this represents. And so it's a good message for the new Shooters and Fishers MPs to get uh, because it's not 100% clear where each individual may sit on these issues.
Let's talk about others who will come into the upper house because while the lower house result will be known more quickly, it could be a week or so before the final results for the upper house. But it looks as though Mark Latham uh, is set to win an upper house spot and it might even extend to two seats for One Nation. Uh, and always concerned too, uh, and one of our, part of our focus for a special broadcast on Friday was uh, just what uh, might be the manoeuvring and uh, what the likelihood of uh, re-election was for Paul Green, the Christian Democratic Party uh, upper house member. Uh, what are your thoughts for what's happening with uh, with One Nation, uh, with uh, what potentially might come for Christian Democratic Party who've held the balance of power in the upper house? Yeah, I think um, basically I think Paul Green, who was the Christian Democratic Party um, upper house member who was up for election at this election, uh, looks like he's on track. Uh, it's a little too early to say definitively, uh, but it looks reasonable at this stage. So I'm not too alarmed. I think that Paul probably will get over the line. I may stand to be corrected because it's so hard to know how that voting system works and the way the preferences will be distributed and so forth. But he looks good. Um, I do think, generally speaking, with the upper house, it's really important in New South Wales. And ACL's campaign, in fact, uh, in the in the days before the election, was based around this. It's really important in New South Wales that there is an upper house who will hold the lower house to account, because the major parties in the lower house, as I've just described, none of them are very strongly convictional on important issues like life, important issues like gender stuff, uh, all that social moral stuff, which we know has such an impact on society. They're not very convictional on it. So we need an upper house that is. And the way to do that is to make sure that the few people who hold the balance of power on the crossbench in the upper house are people who are going to stand firm on this stuff. And so it's really important that Paul Green is there. He's a good guy. He's got a track record. Uh, We were hoping he might get a second person up. That's probably unlikely at this stage. Uh, But also to have a few others. The shooters and fishers in the upper house, as I said, have been good. It's nice to have uh, indication that, you know, the guy who was getting re-elected there is going to get back in. Um, It would have been nice to get an Australian Conservatives person in. We don't know yet whether that person will get in. But you mentioned One Nation, uh, Neil, uh, and Mark Latham. And, you know, Mark is uh, a guy who speaks very clearly. Uh, He speaks a language that people understand Uh, I think he really does represent the average Australian when he starts talking about issues like political correctness and that kind of thing. And I'm really grateful for a lot of the contributions that he's made in the public square on that stuff. However, it emerged at our forum where we had these guys, these crossbench up house guys, come to a forum to speak to our people uh, at a venue in Sydney before the election. It emerged that Mark Latham was really the one out in the cold on some of the some of the um, more serious social moral stuff, so life issues particularly, abortion, euthanasia, he's, he's a little on the fence uh, about those sorts of things. So I think for Christians who are really thinking about who should I vote for in the upper house to hold the government to account on these issues, I don't know that One Nation's the best choice. Um, I'm glad for a lot of the stuff that Mark Latham stands for and he says, but I don't think he's the best choice. I think CDP, maybe Australian Conservatives, and even some of those shooters and fishers are better choices because they actually are convicted because a lot of them, well, they all actually have Christian faith. So that makes the difference. Well, we'll be watching the count as that unfolds and to see how 
the final placings might go in the upper house as well as uh, what's happening in the lower house in the New South Wales after uh, New South Wales after the state election on the weekend. Uh, just quickly before I let you go, uh, Martin, uh, the thoughts, the sorts of things that have happened in Christchurch. A lot of that was happening while you were uh, overseas uh, visiting the United States. No doubt you were following closely, and undoubtedly there would have been headlines uh, that were in the news in the U.S. about what was going on in Christchurch. Uh, any thoughts on on just an, an overall uh, appreciation of, of where things are at at this point? Yeah, look, it was big news in the U.S. as well. Um, so everywhere I went, uh, people knew what had happened and were talking about it. It really was big global news. Um, you know, I guess it's been enough time since it happened to reflect a little bit on some of the public debate around it. And you know, the thing that grieves me is, in fact, um, just the, the public debate, actually. <laughs> um, there's this horrific sense um, that oh, there's this idea, I guess, that's infusing a lot of the arguments that, that makes the case that evil is external. So this guy went and did something disgustingly evil, and he killed people, innocent people, children, and all the horrors of that. And he did that because some conservative somewhere uh, said some things about uh, whether or not we should have uncontrolled uh, immigration or something like this, made some public policy point uh, that was uh, so tenuously related to the issue. But, of course, that incited this man to go and kill everyone. The idea that, you know, actually his evil actions are the fault of others, are the fault of oppressive people who we don't like, um, I think that's a really dangerous place to go. It's always the first line before uh, taking away freedom of speech to say, oh, well, uh, therefore it's all your fault, so you all need to shut up, so we're not going to talk about this issue ever again, and our way is just going to prevail, and whatever you have to say about it, if you disagree, too bad, because if you say that, people are going to die. Uh, it's bullying, uh, it's blackmail, and it completely misunderstands the truth, which is that actually, as Jesus said, wickedness and evil come from the human heart, and we are all capable of great evil. And we are all individually responsible before God to deal with that. Uh, and actually, that's the whole point of, you know, we're all equally bad. That's the Christian message, right? There's no individual identity group that's greater or lesser or more inferior or whatever. No, we're all equally bad. And in Christ, we receive the grace that we need. And it's actually him that makes the difference. Uh, that's the great Christian weapon against this identity politics nonsense. Uh, it really brings us all to a level playing field. Uh, but the idea that uh, this guy was incited because of reasonable public policy debates made by others, and you see that New Zealand bookstore who now say they won't sell 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson, and you see comments on ABC on the drum and that saying, oh, well, it's the narrative of conservative politicians has made him... No, not at all. The human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, says the Bible. And, and we are responsible as individuals. And that's the thing we need to actually tell people. That's the message we need to take into our schools. It is character. It is virtue. It is humility. And if we can train people in character, you know, uh, they're not going to simply take a public policy point uh, and then run away and do something unspeakable. Uh, and I think it's just an excuse to shut down uh, free speech. It's an excuse to demonise the, uh, their political opponents. Uh, and it's an excuse to uh, tell the world that actually everyone who uh, thinks a certain way about issues like immigration and race and that is actually truly wicked. No, uh, the gunman was wicked and he did the wrong thing. And the rest of us are just trying to sort things out. So it's really important not to fall into that trap of externalising evil and saying that, you know, we need to therefore shut down whole debate issues just because this happened. This is a dreadful, dreadful thing and it needs to be dealt with properly and it needs to be mourned properly and we shouldn't be in political point scoring. 
Well, Martin Niles, always appreciate your insights. Thanks so much for talking to us and uh, sharing your thoughts and your heart with listeners again today here on 2020. Let me point people to the Australian Christian Lobby web- website at acl.org.au. Uh, Martin, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Neil. My pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.